0: Hello and welcome to The Spectator's Americano podcast, a special series of discussions about the biggest political event of this year, the 2016 US presidential election. My name's Freddie Gray and I'm deputy editor of The Spectator. Today I'm joined by Christopher Caldwell, who's a senior editor at the Weekly Standard. And we're going to be discussing Hillary's hubris. Are the Democrats in danger of getting dangerously smug before November the 8th? Chris, there's a, there's a Texan expression, don't taunt the alligator until you've crossed the creek. Do you think that Hillary Clinton and the Democrats are in danger of taunting Donald Trump and that he might turn out to bite them?
1: Uh, No, not not really. I I, I mean, I I think that there's a certain kind of cultural hubris that you see on um, on the part of Hillary Clinton's supporters. You see it among certain newspaper columnists. You see a lot of misunderstanding of Trump voters. But I don't think there's any such hubris in the uh, Hillary Clinton campaign. Um, you know, there are reasons to believe that this campaign is closer than it looks. But I, I think that the people who are running the campaign for Hillary are really not giving leaving anything to chance.
0: You, you, you think you say the campaign is closer than it looks. You're talking about the latest poll in Florida, I think that shows Trump up.
1: Well, that's interesting. I didn't know about that one. The polls show a slight tightening. When I when I talk about this campaign being closer than it looks, I think the the clear precedent that uh, that journalists and pollsters look at here is Brexit, where you had, you know, uh, uh, you, the final exit. Even the exit polls uh, showed a four-point uh, lead for uh, Remain, mm. and uh, we all woke up in the morning with a four-point uh, lead for uh, for, for four-point victory for for Leave. Uh, I think if we assume there might be similar effects in 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 in, in American polling then I don't think that a, you know, four point lead in the polls for Hillary is something that would necessarily be considered safe. And yeah. now it's at about five.
0: You don't feel that certainly on this side of the Atlantic, I'm just looking at sort of uh, American media, I've sensed a little bit of gloating creeping into the Democrats. I mean, Hillary said on Sunday, I don't even think about Donald Trump anymore. Yeah. And then yesterday she tweeted a picture of herself as a young girl saying, Happy birthday to the next president of the United States or something. Yeah, well. These are annoyingly arrogant gestures that I just thought most Americans would see and think, you know, screw you, frankly.
1: Well, I'll tell you now, I could give you the opposite case of why we shouldn't consider this to be a similar uh, phenomenon to Brexit. Yeah. Um, I, you know, I do believe that there's a, there's a lot of Trump vote that is very hard to model and is very hard to find. Um, an advantage for, though for the establishment over the insurgents in this country is that the, the parties are more involved. And if you look at uh, the Brexit campaign, you had a lot of ad hoc organizations, right? From, from Vote Leave to Britain Stronger in Europe, they were not real parties. They didn't have real cohesion. They didn't have long-standing networks of trust and fundraising. Here, you have an absolutely mighty party organization on the part of the Democrats. And um, while you have one in theory for the Republicans, the Republicans have not rallied to Trump, and particularly its fundraising and organizational capacity has been denied him. Yeah. So you don't have the machinery of the two parties is not working in Trump's favor. Yeah.
0: We we sometimes hear rumors that there is a sort of subterranean, but very effective Trump organization at work, political organization at work.
1: Is that true? I don't know. I don't, I don't think it's a political organization. I think that, you know, there's a subterranean sympathy and, and, um, there's a, to vote for Trump or to support Trump is not a very chic choice. Um, and, um, So so one of the things that I think Trump tried to do in the course of this uh, uh, election campaign and has thus far failed to do, and it's getting very late, um, is to turn it into a socially acceptable thing um, to come out and and, and support Trump. That hasn't happened. Um, So there is a degree, but there is a degree of invisible support. There's just no there's no invisible organization. And,
0: and and lurking alongside all this is is the WikiLeaks scandals, which sort of every day something comes out that in another election year you'd think might be a, a sort of election-changing event, but actually ends up disappearing and and, and not really counting for anything. Do you think the Do you think a WikiLeaks revelation could yet swing this this election?
1: Well, it depends on what that um, what that revelation is. The way it stands now is that um, that the Clinton campaign has very successfully sold the story that WikiLeaks is just an arm of um, Vladimir Putin's uh, secret service. And I don't think that there is, Mm. I don't think there's any evidence of that. I don't, I'm I'm not saying I believe it, I'm not saying I don't believe it, but basically all we know about um, uh, WikiLeaks, all we know about the Russian involvement in hacking is that certain hackers with uh, Russian IP addresses got into the electoral rolls of the state of Arizona. Um, and given that um, all hackers pretty much use Russian IP addresses just because there's not a lot of internet enforcement there, that strikes me as a pretty thin, um, pretty thin um, proof um, for, for showing any Russian government involvement in this election. And that comes together now with... Um, uh, with the fact that this election does truly pit the, um, you know, the establishment, uh, an establishment candidate, against an anti-establishment candidate, um, and so the WikiLeaks revelations don't really seem like really big news. They don't seem to an editor at the New York Times or the Washington Post or even Fox News um, as big a story as the um, as, as Trump's uh, uh, recordings about women.
0: Mm. And uh, it's, I think it's probably fair to say you, you live in Washington, D.C. You're on, you're on nodding terms with the uh, American establishment. Uh, do you get a sense of panic still from them? There was certainly panic a while ago. Do you think there's panic now or is that slipping into confidence?
1: No, no, I don't. Now, and there is where I would agree with your proposition that there's a degree of hubris. I think that, um, you know, we need to distinguish between two things. I, I, I mean, I think that those who wish a Hillary victory... Are, are really feeling pretty confident now and there and 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 no, I don't think it it uh, they've gone back to the way they were at the beginning of the summer actually they don't consider it really within the realm of possibility that Trump could win. Mm. all I'm saying to you is that the actual Hillary campaign is not operating on that assumption right they're you know they're hoping for the best and preparing for the worst right, right,
0: and you don't think it's you know Obama went on TV I think it was on Monday night, possibly Sunday night and said um, read out a Trump tweet saying, uh, you will go down as the worst president in history. And then he said, well, at least I will be president. I mean, to me, these, these seem like dangerous hostages to fortune. Um, but maybe I'm yeah. just superstitious.
1: Yes, but well, well, that's the that's the downside. And I think they do see that downside. But there's a tremendous upside if you look at the way Trump behaved in the first debate, which is probably the greatest single catastrophic event that any candidate has undergone in the last 50 years, where by baiting Trump, it was possible to drive him totally out of control and drive a lot of actually actually drive a lot of his committed voters away from him. So I think there is a there's an attempt now on the part of the Democrats to bait Trump. And you saw Hillary do it in the um, third debate when she said, oh, you you know, when you had a chance to do something, you choked, you know? So I think that the opportunity to bait Trump is worth the risk of appearing arrogant to some of his supporters. Yes. So you
0: would put the first debate, you think when historians come back to look at this election, do you think they'll put the first debate as the moment where it really fell apart for, for the Trump train?
1: Freddie, there has never been a peripatia, if I may use that term, <laughs> uh, uh, so so extreme in the history of um American politics. Yeah. If the United States had held an election that night instead of a debate, I believe Donald Trump would have won it. If you go back and look at what Nate Silver of 538, which is really, it's a, he's a very good, you know, middle of the road analyst of polls, very Clinton sympathetic, but I think he plays the, the numbers straight. He was talking about the collapse of Clinton um, advantages in all the swing states. And I think that the entire momentum was shifting towards Trump. Trump basically had to stand up on stage that night and just show uh, the country that he was a relatively normal human being, and he failed. Yeah.
0: And and then, of course, the tape, there was a sort of one-two punch, because then the tape came.
1: Well, there's a, a couple of things happened as a result, okay? And first is, the direct result is that a lot of the conversations that you would anticipate happening the following day which is suburban housewives coming into their jobs and saying around the water cooler. You know, actually a lot of what that Trump says makes sense. Those conversations didn't take place. But there was something specific that happened that night too. And when we talk about Trump collapsing, we tend to assume that that means behaving in a, in a kind of out of control, dangerous, menacing way. But if you actually watch that debate, the greatest weakness he had in that debate was he looked ill-prepared. And because he looked prepared, ill-prepared, he looked weak. Um, he looked extremely weak. He looked like he was being led around by Hillary Clinton. And for a guy who'd said that the essence of being president is being a tough negotiator, that was fatal. And, and, and there was a specific thing about, about, the, about the women. Hillary Clinton began to t- attack him for his uh, attitudes towards women. And even though he had a great deal of ammo with which to defend himself, specifically Bill Clinton's behavior towards women in the White House, he didn't do it. And I think that that left the Clinton campaign with the impression that he could be attacked with impunity without, you know, without the risk of any damage on the Clinton campaign. Uh, campaigns part, and that's when I think they brought out those tapes.
0: But the very, the, I mean, the very fact he was so unprepared for the first debate does that suggest, at some level of his rather bizarre psyche, that he he didn't, ha- he's never actually wanted to be president?
1: You know, that's an that's an idea that has accompanied Trump every single day of the c- campaign. I, it's just very hard to believe. I mean, that's if that is the case it's so deeply buried in its in his unconscious that it's a motivation unknown even to him
0: but i mean he did prepare for others for example his convention speech was delivered with a teleprompter but it was a much more polished speech than we usually hear and and he went a bit quiet in the days before that and presumably he he took some time to prepare for that yeah and
1: i think yeah i think he probably he probably won the second debate by a little bit and he and he at least broke even whatever in the third debate but but you know I think we'll find the answer to this when someone from the Trump campaign writes a memoir. I I mean, I think that we've all worked for bosses who think that they have, you know, like, uh, you know, that they're inspired, that they, you know, that they, that they can just wing everything and the world will love them. And, um, and I think Trump is, Trump may have an element of that in him, but we'll find out when the memoirs come out.
0: Great. Well, thank you, Chris. That's fascinating as always. And here's another reminder that you can subscribe to this podcast on itunes at any time thanks for listening please tune in for the next one